Hey everybody, welcome back to The Radical Road. It's Matt and Jess. This week we got the bosses on, Nate and Janine King. Don't forget to follow us on all of our social media platforms. Instagram, Facebook, TikTok, Truth Social, found at The Radical Road. Twitter, at The Radical Road 1. Visit our website, ontheradicalroad.com, and email us your questions or comments to Matt and Jess at ontheradicalroad.com. Hey, y'all. Yes, we're so excited to have Nate and Janine with us this morning. For our listeners out there that have not been following along up to this point, um, it's really been a cool journey for us. We divinely met Nate and Janine through another good friend of ours and lined us up to work for them, to drive for them. Nate and Janine own King Brothers Trucking, and it's a Christian-owned trucking company, and they helped do a church plant in Riverside, Iowa. The church is called River City Church. So we're so excited to have them on today. They have such a cool story and we've talked about them periodically on the past episodes. So we're super stoked to have you guys on. Thanks for being on today, Nate and Janine. Thank you. Our pleasure. Yeah. Awesome. So yeah, we're, uh, we're extremely pumped to have you because the, your background is so fascinating. It's interesting. The people that we come into contact with, everybody has a story and we've had some pretty radical stories lately. And uh, I'm just so fascinated by the culture that you come from because we'll get into this, but they come from a Amish, Amish Mennonite kind of background. And I'm fascinated about it. And they're now non-denominational. Yep. Yeah. And you would think living so close to it, I would know more about it, but I don't. So, yeah. And for our listeners out there, you know, we really hope that their story today brings some of you some enlightening and some hope. And maybe there's some of you out there that are wanting to make a change with your faith and you're wanting to get out of the bondage of religion. There's so much religion out there. And as non-denominational Christians, the four of us are non-denominational Christians. It's not the bondage of religion. It is a relationship with Jesus. It's not about customs, traditions. Um, It's about just simply having a loving relationship with the father above. Yeah. So, but real quick, why don't you just give us a high level kind of introduction of yourself, where you're from, what you got going on, whatever you want to say. Well, we are currently living in North Liberty, Iowa. Uh, we uh, were living in the Kelowna Riverside area for the past like six years. Uh, but the summer we sold our home there and um, temporarily are living up here while we uh, build again in the Riverside area. That's really where our heart is, where we feel like God has called us. And like just mentioned, we uh, three years ago, four years ago, something like that, we helped plant River City Church. So our passion and just what we feel like we've been called to is to see just that town really be uh, brought back to life and just revitalized. And yeah, see, see God's kingdom built there in the Riverside area. So that's kind of what we feel like our, our personal life's call is and uh, alongside of you know being business owners and yeah Nate tell us about King Brothers 
So King Brothers, uh, I started it with my youngest brother, Nelson, back in Pennsylvania in 2006. At the time, we had been managing a large farm operation for an investor there in central Pennsylvania. And we're kind of looking to do something different, had some farming ourselves and, and just didn't seem like could collect a whole lot of moss. So we were looking to do something different. And there was this cheap Freightliner for sale down the road. So we had the cash to pay, buy it. And that's what started King Brothers. Wow. <laughs> and you also have a freight company as well, correct? Yes. So we have a trend. We have a transportation company. Like I said, uh, Nelson and I started it in 2006. 2012 is when Janine and I, we met, Janine and I met in 2011, 2012, we got married. And at that point, we bought the transportation side of it from my brother, bought him out. And then in 2020, uh, God blessed us with the brokerage, which was, which was just a, really a hand and glove fit to what we were already doing and really, really brought full circle what we're trying to do. So let's just start in the beginning. You grew up in these communities, actually in two different states. What was it like for you as a child? Uh, for me, um, I grew up, so my grandparents were Amish. I was born and raised in Lancaster, Pennsylvania, or about 25 miles southeast of it in a small Mennonite and Amish community. So cool childhood, uh, lived there until 14 years old. And then we moved. My, my dad was a pastor, so he was elected by the church to help spearhead a church plant in central Pennsylvania. And so at that point, we moved about a half hour south of State College is where you find Mifflin Town. But growing up, yeah, great childhood. I would say really innocent and protected, honestly. Just uh, I don't know how to compare it to what your childhood may have been <laughs> like. But I, it was, it was uh, I, we have great parents. And even though maybe we don't quite practice our faith the same, we have a great relationship. So. And as far as school? School, um, yes, I have eight years of education, <laughs> but it was a really good education. So it wasn't a one-room schoolhouse per se, but it was like next thing to it. Like I think first, second, and grade were together, and then third, fourth, and fifth. So there might have been four or five classrooms, but it was it was fairly intense. I mean, we... I would say it's almost like a boarding school of sorts, maybe where, you know, you go in and it's no messing around. Um, you would have prayer. So it was a Christian private school. You'd have prayer, maybe a little devotions every morning, Bible memorization. And then, I mean, it's getting off to the subjects. And so by eighth grade, I mean, we're into algebra and, and uh, you know, some, some of the stuff that I think maybe you'd experience in high school in a public school. Yeah. yeah. Um, they've, they've, they're intentional enough about our learning day that they've been able to move some of the subjects up. Probably not ideal. Obviously would want more education for our son, yeah. but, but it was a very good education. I know when you, when you told us about your education, it really shocked me Yeah. because you never would realize you only went to school for eight years because you're so successful now in your, in your career and as an entrepreneur. And so, but it's, it's also shows, um, folks out there, you know, that 
you can go after it. You can yeah. get whatever you want to get. You just make it happen, right? You make it happen in your life. So this is America. It's America. <laughs> <That's right. laughs> yeah. What about you, Janine? Yeah. So some similar, you know, somewhat of a similar childhood. I uh, grew up on a farm uh, really close to my cousins and grandparents. And so, you know, we just did life together and you know, my memories of my childhood are, you know, going back and forth to my cousin's house and like we were just best of friends. And, and then that kind of changed when around 11, 12 years old, uh, my parents left the Amish. And so that, you know, kind of changed that relationship a little bit. We eventually moved off of that farm as well and uh, moved probably, I don't know, seven seven, 10 miles uh, away from where we were living at that point. So that definitely kind of changed the dynamics of like the closeness that I had with my cousins. But yeah, overall, I would say just, you know, a very um, protected, sheltered childhood and very, very much unaware of, of the bigger world out there. So and for um, those listeners out there that that are not from Iowa, Kelowna is a very popular tourist attraction, actually, for um, folks around Iowa because the Amish really do um, have incredible entrepreneur skills, too, because they have like creameries, they have little shops in Kelowna, they make everything handmade, everything's organic. And so for anyone that wants to just check out what's going on, Definitely hit up Kelowna if you're in Iowa. And I know, Nate, you said where you're from is like Kelowna on steroids, really, yeah. right? Yeah, I'm. I've, yeah, exactly. I've seen it now that I live in Kelowna and have grown up in Lancaster. I'd say that whole Amish and Mennonite community, it, honestly, it's hard to size it up. It, it would have to be 10x the size of Kelowna, at least. Like it's a whole, really? that whole community in that eastern Pennsylvania area covers several counties. Like it's so big wow. and sprawling. Wow. Yeah. And if you know anything about it, you know that there's a robust tourist industry as well. So they're, they're feeding off of that. And there is, it's, it's really fascinating. There's, there is multiple, multiple millionaire Amish folks there. Just, yeah. just from the tourist industry and the, and the, and like you said, the, the industrious nature of yeah. maybe the Amish well, German people. Yeah. And we're just better together. Like we were yeah. talking about yesterday, you know, it's like the Germans, the Jewish, the uh, Mormon cultures. Um, there's a book we had talked about the business secrets of the Bible. And it speaks about the Jewish community and the reason why they're such successful entrepreneurs and much like the Amish is they, they utilize each other's giftings you know, within families and you utilize your community, your friends, your family, and y you, um, you just do better in business and you know how to operate efficiently within business. And that's why there is more wealth within those communities. Yeah. yeah. And you guys also come from, correct me if I'm wrong, but most Amish families have a lot of land, right? Do you guys have farmhouses on a lot of land? Um, that wasn't necessarily the case for me and our family, but I'm, I'm family members, definitely, for sure. Yeah. Um, it's very much a farming yeah. know, area. Yeah. I think one of the biggest things, the biggest values, and the thing I'm probably the most thankful for from my background is we learned how to work hard. 
and not to be afraid of, of leaning in and working hard. And I feel like that is probably what has served Nate and I really well. Um, just, I mean, entrepreneurship is hard and it's very challenging at times. And so just our not being scared to lean into it and like, mm-hmm. you know. Your drive and persistence. Yeah, the persistence yeah. and the drive. And yeah. I would say that is that is very much taught within the Amish community. I mean, you know, you get up at... 5, 6 a.m. and you were working hard all day long. And, you know, not only are you like farming your land, you're making your own food and mm-hmm. hand washing your clothes and hanging them out on the, you know, line to dry. And I mean, there there is nothing like the conveniences that we have today. Um, Shoot, the first time I went to McDonald's, I think was 10 years old. Really? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like legit. Like if you're talking about, it, it just, this refreshes my memory just listening to Janine. Like we were done bailing hay at the end of the day. So it was a big, tr- I mean, it was a huge treat. I didn't even know what I was doing in there. <laughs> but, <laughs> but yeah, you, you made your own food at, I'm trying to think how old I was. Um quickly trying to think eight years old i'm carrying two buckets of water five gallon buckets wow at eight years old yeah (laughs) no but seriously (laughs) we had like the calves were separate from the main you know stable and so it was basically my responsibility that that was my responsibility and i hated it like at that point that it was work. <laughs> However, it has served us well. I mean, there yes. was no such thing as a video game, yeah. you know, or anything like that. Obviously, that was, we're talking, yeah. we're talking, it's crazy to say, but 35, 38 years ago, and technology yeah. has yeah. changed so much. So you just have, a, it was a different world. Yeah. I mean, I'm quite certain that, you know, my grandmother would roll over in her grave if she saw... You know, the fact that I, I now, I don't even, I mean, I clean my house, but I also hire people to clean my house, you know, yeah. or yeah. like, yeah, whatever the, the conveniences are that we have today. Like, right. I take advantage of those because, you know, yeah, just due to the busy nature. Of well, you lives. stick to what you do best. Yeah. 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 And then you delegate the rest. Yes. Yeah. I'm guessing you'll come back to this. Yeah. But, but like one of the things that Janine just mentioned is very true is. Most people underestimate what it takes to run a company, right? Yeah. And so not trying to get ahead of you here, but it's just a good point when you're thinking of work ethic, you have to throw everything at it you've got and then a little bit more sometimes. Yeah. And I think looking in from the outside, it's just like, wow, your street is paved nicely ahead of you, isn't it? (laughs) And it's like, nope. Like you we sure we're blessed. We have great days, but there's also an awful lot of effort that goes into running a company. So yeah. Just would want, yeah. Wouldn't want someone to underestimate what it right. takes. And do you think that your faith has served you well being a non-denominational Christian, being an entrepreneur today too? Oh, oh yeah. totally. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, I think yeah. our faith, faith is the foundation of why we do what we do. And that is what keeps us going on the hard days because yeah. there have been many, many, many days where we've wanted to like, throw in the towel and say, is this, yeah, this is too hard and not sure it's really worth it, you know, but Mm -hmm. just knowing the call that we have in our lives and knowing that like where, where we're supposed to be, 
Um, and coming back to that foundation is what, yeah, has kept us going. I know prophetically, you know, when inflation started really raising and the economy got um, intense, that, you know, there was fear that spiked in everyone, you know, everyone. And, you know, us working under you guys and honoring you, we pray for you guys every day. And I know prophetically the Lord um, just spoke and said, you know, let Nate and Janine know not to get caught up in the fear of the world, but yet lean into me. They're kingdom kids. Tell them to lean in. And we shared that with you. And we've watched that. We've watched you guys lean in and grasp every positive thing you can in this economy right now. And it's been awesome to watch you guys flourish when a lot of trucking companies are shutting down. Many companies around the company, not just trucking, uh, many businesses are struggling, but they're not leaning in. They're not have, leaning in with their faith. And he's the one that's actually in control, right? So it's been fun to watch you guys. I can't imagine doing it apart from faith. Yeah. You know, like it, I mean, it's so awesome to have you guys on board, by the way. And the, the, the phrase, a rising tide lifts all ships is <laughs> so true of what you guys have done. We're so, I mean. Oh. I'm not taking has, credit for it. it. You are or aren't? I'm not. You're not, okay. <laughs> He's going to no, give God all the glory. <laughs> okay, there you go. But either way, I mean, and God deserves all yeah, the glory. Yeah, he sure does. But it's just, it's just been an incredible blessing to have not only the way the new truck came about, you two guys yeah. talked about this in one of your other podcasts, but just the way he put the pieces together and met us where we were at because just – Partnering with your mission has, it just feels like amped up everything that's going on at King Brothers, right? In such a positive way. So that's awesome. We love it. So yeah. I feel like we got sideways here and jumped ahead way too much because as a young man growing up in Iowa and going through a community like Kelowna, you know, I always had questions, but I never went searching for the answers because like, I wasn't built that way at the time where you just go up to an Amish person and go, what's up, dude? Why are you driving around in a buggy? So, and I think that's why a lot of people go to Kelowna is they want to see the horse and buggy and the goofy clothes and all that stuff. Cause it feels like you just went back in time and landed on little house of the prairie or something. So, so true. So I'm just curious, like what, what is the thinking of that culture? Like, what does it mean to be Amish? Like help people understand why they operate the way they do, I guess. So I think, so first off, there's just so many different strains of Amish in that. But I would say for sure, as you back it up into the most conservative, growing up where I did in Pennsylvania, there was basically two core beliefs that drove what they do, which is one, they were trying to keep themselves separate unto the Lord I mean, they, the funny thing of it is you could stop and ask an Amishman this and he would stumble and stutter and probably wouldn't even be able to articulate what he's doing. It's just there's so much tradition been passed down over the generations that what you have now is just traditions, honestly. Yeah. yeah. But my understanding was they were doing it to separate themselves unto the Lord and to not allow the world to creep in. So you do the whole buggy thing. So that, you know, and cars are worldly is what they say. However, it's really fascinating to watch how much they utilize all of it now. 
And that, yeah, so talking about the Amish, there's, there's where I grew up, and I think Janine experienced the same thing, right? Old order Amish and new order Amish, if you're talking strictly Amish. Okay. So the old order Amish don't believe in knowing for certain, like it's, they would say it's prideful to, be, to stand on the fact that Jesus saved me. Ah. So they're, they, they basically generated it as humility, but the phrase that they use is, we have a goody huffna, <laughs> <laughs> which means good hope. And so they just do their works and like, you know, faithfully do their thing and work hard. They think working hard pleases the Lord. Like, legit. Okay. So much like Catholicism. Yeah, it's yeah. so ingrained in all of it. And so they would have... And then you have the new order. There was, it's, it's funny. I should, I have to ask my dad about this history, but I think in the sixties or seventies, there was a brief period of time where you could leave the order or Amish community and a bunch of these Amish left and established this thing called new order. And they, they look fairly similar, still have buggies. I don't think there's a lot of them left anymore, but their main thesis was we can understand that we're saved but then we still want to stay separate from the world so that was kind of the two differentials and then you have so the Amish come from Jacob Almond is the original leader of the Amish and then Menno Simons is where the Mennonites stem from so the Mennonites are kind of a whole different tribe but what Janine and I experienced in our in our upbringing is both of us our grandparents were Amish and then our parents, our parents all left that because they wanted to walk out their faith in a way where you stand on the foundation of, you know, knowing that I'm saved, that Jesus has got me. But then there's whole varying degrees of, well, how much grace do we believe in and all of that. So there's just so many different strains of Mennonite then yet the whole way out to Mennonites that are so mainstream that now they're embracing everything that the world's throwing at them, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And in scripture, you know, it speaks for us being non-denominational. It says we are in the world, but we're not of the world. So we, we live in the world, right? But we're just not of the world. We're of Jesus Christ. Yeah. Yeah. So Janine, do you feel like it was kind of the same for you? Like, is it the same culture here in Iowa as it is in Pennsylvania? Have you guys discussed like the differences? Like, yeah, I would say it's very, very similar in the probably the belief systems. Uh, I would say maybe how like Kelowna is definitely the Amish and Kelowna are definitely a little bit more conservative. Mm. Um, they're they're the new orders are becoming more like you know open to modern conveniences and stuff like that. Um, but in Lancaster, it feels like they're a lot more modern than probably Kelowna is. And then like, so also um, like the Amish and like Lancaster and Ohio and wherever they would practice, like when you get to your teenage years, um, they do this thing called like room springing. So, I mean, this is, yeah. if you've watched any Amish movies or read any Amish books, you know, you'll see this there are um, I've ran into these women at the bar. <laughs> oh, yeah, no doubt. In Missouri? No, here. Here. Mm-hmm. Hang on. Here. Like down in Iowa City when these girls go on their, whatever, what'd you call it? Room springer? Where they just kind of leave for a little bit. 
Is that what it is? I mean, here, I don't feel like they practice that as much. Really? Because I've heard this from women at the bar, like, because they're about what? 1920? Yeah. Yeah. Somewhere in there? Oh, yeah. I mean, maybe like like years ago? They go crazy. Yeah, maybe this does happen and it's very under the radar and like... Lancaster Lancaster is actually like a problem. It's a big... Like they're into drugs and... Like they, they're, ex- they're plumbing the depths of sin, honestly. It was what yeah. it ends up being. Yeah. 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 I mean, to my knowledge, it wasn't as big of an issue here, but maybe it is. And well, when you starve people it. over the world and then they get out in it, they're like, let's go. Dude, it is so <laughs> funny. They're, this kid will be 15 years old and bam, he's 16 and he's got a whole new garb and a haircut. And in about a half a year, he'll have a pickup sitting out behind the barn. No, that's that's this is Pennsylvania. I don't feel like this happens in Kelowna quite as much. Not as much anymore. I mean, I a couple episodes back when you interviewed Merle, mm-hmm. uh, who happens to be my uncle, he talked about this briefly when he shared his story of how yeah. he like got in his car. And, yeah. So yeah. that would have been, you know, that would have been in his kind of like from springing days or whatever. Yeah. yeah. Now obviously he chose not to go back. Right. He left at that point. Yeah. yeah. But yeah, it's it's definitely an interesting part of the the culture. Yeah, I don't think you go back because of the clothes. Like, what's with the clothes yeah, and the I was haircut just say, and stuff? T- like, explain to us what you guys wore, what you look like. Okay, so so, so, so to be clear, Janine and I didn't do any of the room springer, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Let's go back. To that. Yeah. Um, <laughs> just to set that straight, right? Uh, well, it's, oh, it's all, all good. good. I'm just actually, actually neither one of us were Amish by the time we hit our teens and were youth. Like okay. our parents had already. We'll get into that. that in a second. Yeah. yeah. So, so, I mean, shoot, eight-year-old kid. I'm I'm honestly wearing Amish garb. Like the they call them broad fall pants. <laughs> it's a hilarious term, right? <laughs> and then uh, suspenders, button-up shirts, no T-shirts. Okay. No, not a straw hat. Funny enough, like, it, funny thing is we were actually allowed to kind of half wear whatever we wanted for hats. But, yeah, pretty traditional. What about your hair? Oh, geez. Being the ex-hairstylist, I have to. <laughs> yeah, you'd have loved mine. And my mom wouldn't have wanted you touching me. Um, just part down the middle. And you can see mine did real naturally. Did it kind naturally. of roll on the sides, too? Pardon me? Your hair, did it kind of roll on the sides? Like, was it longer and kind of roll under? It wasn't as bad as a, as a full-blown Amishman. But, yes, what they would, yeah. what an, a full-blown Amishman never gets it thinned. Oh. So, if you have really thick, croppy hair, they're just cutting. You might have an inch of. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. That's awesome. Okay, so we have to post some pictures, though. So, they can, because to see Nate and Janine today. You would never know. Like, or, or you can just watch the movie Kingpin. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, remember that movie where the Amish guy takes up bowling? He's like a really good bowler. <laughs> uh, have you seen it? No. Okay, yeah. so here's another fun fact. I never watched my first movie till 25 years old. So what? I'm way on behind the oh, eight wow. ball. Yeah. And now with being business owners, we watch a movie movie maybe once every three months. Right. Like, yeah. So true. <laughs> so... That, yeah. I'm not, you, you've piqued it's my curiosity, anyway. though. I have to watch it. Yeah, it's hilarious. So what about uh, you, Janine? Uh, I mean, eight-year-old me was definitely wearing, like, we sewed all our own clothes. So, you know, a dress. And then um, I think th- during the week, maybe we didn't really have to wear the head covering as much. 
as little kids, but definitely on Sundays, like you would wear like, you know, your hair up in like braids pinned to your head. Like having our hair done was very painful because it had to all be like, it was very tight and pulled back and all of that. And so with a covering on top and then a bonnet and, um, yeah, you know, head to toe, pretty much everything was. So the head covering, um, so I was always calling it a bonnet, um, but it's called an actual head covering. What's the significance behind the head covering? Share that with our audience. Yeah. So, I mean, in the Amish Mennonite culture, I think it's first Corinthians 11. Um, it talks about as a sign of, uh, submission and assigned to the angels having your head covered. And so the Amish and Mennonites would take that to mean like literally you have your head covered um, with, you know, an outward yeah. symbol. Yeah. And so uh, it, it, you know, the Amish, they do like a full like head covering thing. And then as you get into the Mennonites, they would interpret that a little bit different and say like, hey, you could wear like a veil. Um as you get into like different types of Mennonites, it goes all the way down to like a little doily. Um, wow. Yeah. It's huh. I, I Interesting. feel like it's a little complicated to try and wrap your mind around. Yeah. I've in being set free, I've got a whole understanding theologically of what Paul was actually talking about there. Okay. That you probably don't want to hear right now. <laughs> actually. Sure. Okay. Sure. So what you have to understand is in that setting, when they were writing this, the temple prostitutes, which they had a lot of in those days, the temple prostitutes were coming to Christ, right? So they're coming to Christ, coming to church on Sunday morning. And now I'm sitting with my wife and there's a temple prostitute two seats away from me, right? And so it's like red-blooded man, you're in Christ, but you're trying to guard your mind. Yes. And Paul yeah. is like, Rather than tempt your brothers, put something over your head until your hair grows out. Because the temple prostitutes had shaved heads. That's how they, oh. that's how they signified their role. Okay. So your hair comes, grows out. Otherwise, I'm sorry, I should have refreshed my memory on that passage. But if you put it in that context, yeah. it actually flows. Yeah. Because there's another place where it says your hair is actually your covering. Yeah. And then even a deeper significance is obviously the headship role and like, and like how God has set up yeah. coverings of authority and just some of that stuff. So, which is why it's so important to really understand, like you said, the context of scripture, Yeah. but yes, the women back in bi biblical days, um, they needed to be under control at certain points. Like they needed, they needed to be they were getting out of control. The women were getting out of control at certain parts of the Bible. So good lesson. Yeah, it was a good lesson. <laughs> but yeah, I found it interesting. We went to a conference, a deliverance conference um, by the supernatural down in Georgia. And there was a group that was Amish that came. It was so awesome to see them. Um, and there was a big group of them, fairly big group of them. And um, it was so fun for Matt and I to watch them the first day they were there to being so staunch and stiff and like, what is going on to the last day they had their hands 
like raised up and praising God and they had breakthrough, they had deliverance. And so they had this awesome breakthrough, but I was like waiting for those women to rip off their head covering. And just, (laughs) yeah, that's, that's, that's awesome. That would have been dramatic. That would have been dramatic. Now that I know the meaning of it. Yeah. The funny thing of that particular doctrine is so ingrained. Yeah. We, We both know growing up in this culture that, and I don't like, this is an area where I feel like Jesus and the Holy Spirit is a perfect gentleman. Right. And so it's the kind of thing where you have to have understanding so that you don't just override your conscience in what you've been taught is the because once you take off the head covering in in these Amish and Mennonite denominations, you've abandoned the faith. Like that's how they view it. Yeah. Okay. Um, So like, do you guys get excommunicated? Like just much like the Mormons, the Mormons get excommunicated like by their families if they leave the religion? I mean, we didn't uh, because just of how and like the age and stuff that we were at, we didn't. But I do have family members that, you know, have been uh, my parents when they actually left the older or Amish, they were excommunicated. So, yes, I'm I'm very familiar with it. It does happen. Yeah. But oh, yeah, it does yeah. happen within the Amish. The community. Old, so the old older okay. Amish would be very like they would follow that rule really tightly. So as soon as you're leaving, you I don't think you can barely leave the older Amish church and go to anything else without being excommunicated. Mm-hmm. And then as soon as you get to New Order, and then especially Mennonites, I feel like they do follow it a lot more closely to what Jesus intended for that. Um, I I haven't seen it misused. I mean, I know when we let when we ended up leaving our church, then ultimately my dad was the pastor, ended up leaving that. It, I think it was probably pushing the boundaries pretty hard. And yet we were seeking and I think they could feel that search. And so yeah. it wasn't, we didn't get wound up in a bunch of carousing and carrying on. And so I think that was the difference. Achieve that. I mean, for me, I left the Mennonites when I was in my early twenties. Um, and it was just very much a thing of like, I knew that there had to be more to, you know, my walk with Christ and just there had to be more to to what I had been called to than what I was the environment that I was in like the church environment that I was in um it just felt very empty and just like like the gospel wasn't really being preached it was just a form of it um but I wasn't yeah the life was missing yeah um and I had been exposed to you know just through others through friends and stuff i was being exposed to some you know what was out there yeah and i was like uh this is not what i'm getting on sunday mornings right and so um i had actually i don't know if you've heard of passion conferences but yeah i had gone to at least one or two of those and it just really like radically like and you're like, this changed. is a party for Jesus. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I'm like, this is amazing. Yeah. I want more of this. And I mean, these people are actually like genuinely serving God and like they're on fire and they have passion for him. And this is not what I'm seeing right. in the church that I'm a part of and, you know, where my family was going, whatever. And so, I mean, it was, it was a pretty like bold move of me to just like step away from all of that. <laughs> uh and, yes. you know, along with that, leave the head covering and all of that. Like, right. um, it, it took some courage, but 
I am, yeah, so grateful that I did that. And Yeah. I mean, how cool of you to step out for Christ. That's what you did. You stepped out of it for him, really, because you're you're still moving towards him, right? But in a different, different way. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. 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 So, yeah. I, that's, that's kind of, I guess, what was spurring me on yeah. to leaving. Yeah. It was not necessarily because I just wanted more freedom or more, you know. Right. Yeah. Or that I didn't care, that I didn't love God, and that right. I was turning my back on him. Like, right. It's not like you left and now you're an atheist yeah. or... You're yeah. just out partying all over the world. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. yeah. No, it, and literally when Jesus said, except you're willing to leave your father, mother, house, I mean, I feel like maybe, you. I mean, it was a considerable cost for you, but you came from a bit of a more open-minded background than I did. Like I was leaving. For me, it was, I'm short of dying. Oh, wow. Like it was like it was that dramatic. And so I, we'll get to this in a minute, but the, it just, it came down to, I had to go one way or the other. Mm-hmm. So I grew up, my dad was a pastor. So I maybe saw a little bit more of the inner workings of the church. Okay. Just from that vantage point. And what really started changing me was going into, uh, you know, my t- early teens. And you're, when you're in this religious system, there's just no flexibility. Mm-hmm. And so a teen is just primed and God's created. This is so cool. In fact, I'd love to study this a little more, but God has created teens and youth to dream, imagine what the world could look yes. like. I mean, that's an important part of yes. you know your growing up years. And there's no flexibility in these religious systems for that. And another fun fact, that you would not realize looking in from the outside, there's actually, at least where I grew up, there wasn't much relationship. I didn't understand relationship. Yeah. It's all it's all being molded together as this body, and they think they're achieving unity, but it's such a it's such a mechanical deal where you're just forcing this unity instead of one of the things that in my maybe 16, 17 years old, um, I was watching my parents interact with some of who they considered their friends to be. I mean, they're in church together. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, like it caught me. I'm like, these guys' hearts aren't even, like I could see it as a, as a teenager, I could see it. I'm like, your hearts aren't even, you know, the way we vibe. You are organically connect. You've got to. We've got a connectedness. Yeah. They didn't have that. And Ugh. yet they're supposed to be doing the Life gospel together. and the Bible uh-huh. the way Jesus taught it. And it like it opened my eyes. So some of that was opening my eyes. Late teens, we, and I went through a whole, I don't know. It was just, it was quite the teenage years, honestly. I went through a whole, um, or we went, uh, so some of us, there was a few of us, teenage guys especially that started meeting for prayer meetings and they were kind of allowing it. And then I think at one point they shut it down. I can't quite remember. So this is going into like 20 because I thought the system was correct, but it just needed the breath of the spirit of God on it. Yes. Well, now you look at it and you're like, this (laughs) wineskin was never going to be able to contain the spirit of God. Right. You know? Mm -hmm. Yeah. And so early 20s by about 23, 24. I mean, it was, I was never a rebellious youth. So I wasn't out trying to, like I actually wanted to do the right thing. 
but it just wouldn't let you breathe. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so by 23, 24, I'm starting to like explore other Mennonite churches who didn't have rules, quote, quote, and had the spirit of God. And I'm like, I think this is where it's at. So I'm driving like 30, 45 minutes outside of our community and six to eight months into it, it's like, man, this is just the same dog. Like there, you're acting like there's no rules, but the rules are still there. Tell them what they were fighting about. Yeah. Well, yeah. What, what tripped the trigger was, I think it was the last Sunday I was there. It was a Sunday evening. And I was like, this is just nuts. They were discussing whether or not their wives should have hanging baskets around the kitchen (laughs) because they would be ornamental or not. Like it might be too ornamental. And I had just bought a new new Dodge, (laughs) not brand new, but new to me, Dodge Cummins pickup. Yeah. And I'm just like, you know, driving it to church. And one of the guys is like, you might want to black those rims out a little bit. They're pretty shiny. (laughs) And I'm just like, what? What is this? So anyhow, I'm like, we're still focused on anyhow. So didn't know what to do. So I go back to my dad's church. And there, twice a year, they have what's called council meeting on a Wednesday night that leads up to communion on Sunday, twice a year. So I have peace with God, peace with my fellow man, and I agree with all the rules in the little rule book. Yeah. All the rules. Those three things That's you got to say. That's religion for you. <laughs> well, I'm not doing it because I thought I was going to transfer my membership to this other church. Didn't work out. So now I'm back, disillusioned, sitting on the back row with a couple of my buddies. And I mean, we're not back there smirking or anything. It's just like, we don't know what to do with ourselves. Right. And and this is so cool. Like I love my dad now, but he just looked back at us. He's leading the meetings. Like you young guys back there on the back bench, either for the back row, either get in or get out. And I'm like, huh? Okay. And I'm like, I, I don't, I, um, to this day, I should ask my dad what he meant by that. Yeah. I don't actually, I'm not actually convinced he thought we were going to get back in. I think he might have known, but I think just as a shepherd of the church, he's like, we've got these stragglers over here, so we got to clean stuff up. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm sitting back there and I'm like, well, I sure as heck can't get back in. Like, I'm not doing that. So. Like, I'm literally praying to the Lord, God, forgive me, but I'm going to go to a worldly church on Sunday because I got to go to church. Yeah. Like, oh, wow. not going to church is not even an option in my mind. Right. Wow. You know, that's how much religion was on us. Yeah. So I go to a community church and I mean, it was freaking awesome. <laughs> <laughs> the local auctioneer was there, my banker, and I'm like, we're all allowed to go to church together. This is crazy. (laughs) (laughs) And so that was in central Pennsylvania. And then we ended up shortly thereafter. So what was funny is there's about three or four guys and two or three gals, all of us left at the same time. Mm -hmm. And we ended up going to this really radical Pentecostal church, which was really good for that season. I mean, man, did they break religion off of us. Mm-hmm. And uh, so it was kind of ebb and flow in and out. And um, yeah. yeah. So when you were in the Amish church, like, do you feel like you were saved at, at that point? Or was it something that happened after you left? Or how, how, how did that 
work yeah, out. So like, I, I just want to quick interrupt. I pulled this up. So like in the Amish and Mennonite community, do you guys, um, you know, in scripture in Romans 10, 9 and 10, it says that if you confess with your mouth, the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart, one believes unto righteousness and with the mouth, confession is made unto salvation. And we believe in non-denomination that if you accept Jesus as king of your life, you you accept that he's died on the cross um, for us and forgave us for our sins, that we will enter the kingdom of heaven. Do you guys believe the same when you're growing up Amish and Mennonite? Yeah, I mean, I would say absolutely so. I, I would say that maybe the outworkings of that is is maybe where a little bit of the disconnect I think could be. But I would say for me personally, like I accepted Christ as a young child. I was like seven years old. Um, and I think it was a little bit more, I didn't want to go to hell. Yeah. And so right. there was this fear of, you know, hell and all of that. And so it was like, well, I don't want that. So, so it was fear-based. Yeah, it was very yeah. fear-based. Mm -hmm. okay. um, and it wasn't until I was in my like, I mean, I would say again, when probably when I went to like passion where I really saw like, oh, it's about a relationship with Jesus. It's about loving him. And it's about, <laughs> yeah. And that is where the like lights kind of came on and it like clicked for me because up until that point, there was a lot of like, I can't even tell you how many times I like prayed the prayer and like, am I saved or am I not? And, you know, just the whole like assurance of salvation was very mm -hmm. much a, a struggle for me. Yeah. Which in the, sorry to interrupt, but that was a common in Pennsylvania where I was in church, common problem. Yeah. So they believed in it, but there was such a lack of grace that there was always a wrestling with, well, am I for sure saved? Oh, yes. gotcha. Grace is not preached in, okay. in the Amish and Mennonite circles. And, and maybe, maybe that's changed now a little bit more. I, I don't know exactly, but I would say back in the day when, when I was in those cult in that circle, grace was not something that was like preached or lived out. You know, it was very much, um, we believe and we accept God's free gift of salvation, but it's also our good works. Like, yeah. yes, you know, very much so the good works. Yeah. 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 It's yeah. like, it kind of takes both. Yeah. It's not just r receiving the gift right. and like, right. end of story. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that was kind of my experience with it. So mine was, I, this is, this is cool, but at five years old, they did an altar call at our church. So you would have, did you guys have this like a week of revival meetings? So they would stage a week of revival meetings, I think like twice a year, if I remember right. Mm -hmm. And so and it was all hell and brim. Oh man, this guy is up there. I mean, he's talking about <laughs> teenagers driving down the highway and angels are flying over the highway and scaring the crap out. I mean, oh, I, it was big time like fear of the Lord on you. And I'm just oh, like, wow. like, and a tender, right? Tender, sincere heart. Yeah. You're just like, I don't want any of this. So yes. I'm sitting on the front row because my dad's the pastor and at the altar call, I just go down to the basement. You just did it because that's what everyone did. Yeah. But, it, and it's so funny because since Janine and I are married, we were literally on church, on our way to church one Sunday morning. And I'm just asking the Lord, where, where exactly did I become a believer? And he just showed me that 
my name was written in the book of life that night, like as a five-year-old. Oh, oh nice. so cool. Yeah. That's amazing. So, yeah. So through all the ups and downs of leaving church, not going to church for several years there for a while, all of that, you know, it's just, I know it's so cool what, how God keeps us. Yes. Like it, it just so points to the fact that we don't have to work for this. Yeah. Right, we don't. Yeah, that's amazing. No. So you're in Pennsylvania done with the Amish church. You're in <laughs> Iowa, done with the Amish church. How the heck did you two find each other? <laughs> this is a good story. Uh, some mutual friends of ours, good friend of mine, and she was married to this guy who was like one of Nate's best friends. Uh, they were out here in Iowa and I met up with them. We had dinner together and she's like, Hey, you should meet our friend Nate. And, you know, I think she was asking me about I had been dating or whatever. And I was like, I don't know, 25, 26 years old. And yeah. Had been in some relationships, but you know, it just wasn't going great on the whole dating scene at the time. And, uh, I was like, Oh yeah, whatever. Like, sure. You can introduce us, but you know, I've been down this road of where friends are like, Hey, we've got this friend, like, let's set you up. Like I've been down that road and it usually didn't turn out super great. So they actually, yeah, told Nate about me and he sent me a Facebook message, like, I don't know, maybe a week later or something. And we just started communicating um, via Facebook. And then eventually, I don't know, maybe like a month later or something, he was coming through Iowa uh, in his truck, actually. And he was like, hey, can we meet up for coffee? And so we did. The first meeting was super, super awkward. Um, it is only the grace of God. That's a whole story in its own. <laughs> only the grace of God that we survived that and went on a second date. But yeah, we dated for only three months, actually, because pretty much we just knew that it was the right thing. Like, I mean, by that point, I was, you know, we were both a little bit older and kind of knew what we wanted and what we were looking for. And um, yeah got engaged and then got married seven months later. Wow. <laughs> seven months later. Wow. I love it. That's crazy. You were divinely put together. Well, I got to tell you my half of the story. Oh, right? tell us your half. Yeah. So I'm, I'm, I think I, I've told you guys this before, but I'm, I am disillusioned with church. Had just bought it literally three weeks before we met. I bought a house in Pennsylvania and when we started hanging out, I just, I basically lived out of my truck. You know how it is. You're Great. in your truck half the time anyhow. Yeah. yeah. Never, barely lived in the house that I'd bought in Pennsylvania. That's a whole other story. So I'm, I'm laying in my apartment. My parents were renting the main part. I'm laying in my apartment above the garage, just watching TV on a Sunday morning. And the spirit of God was like, you're going to die if you don't start going to church. Wow. I'm telling you, it like freaked me out. And so I'm like, and so, and this is the danger. I feel like this is a common problem when you leave religion, this is the danger. So you're set free from religion or you're in the process of being set free. And now what you're doing is every church you're putting under the microscope. Mm. I'm set free. I'm a child of God. Is this church good enough for me? Oh, wow. That's that. See, that's the, the enemy will use that. Mm -hmm. And so that's what had happened is I had, I had went through several different churches, become disillusioned. And there was a decent community church in town, but I, I knew the people. I'm just like, 
I just don't feel like putting myself under that leadership. Well, that's where I was like, uh, rather than this alternative, I'm going to start going to church. Went to church five weeks, just five weeks, met Janine, and she um, was like, oh, where do you go to church? And I'm like, go to church, you know? And had I not been going to church, the relationship would have never even, and I don't blame her as a lady. She's looking for a secure, strong leader. And so if I say, oh, I'm not going to church, she'd have probably just written me off right there. So it was grace of God. What had happened was her, were you guys fasting, just praying? One of her and her friends started, started praying for a companion for Janine. And so then the Spirit of God hits me in Pennsylvania. and Boom, he answered the prayer. <laughs> and I'm like, it's just amazing. Sure, we have similar backgrounds. That really has helped a lot. Yeah. But even more than that is just the compatibility and the giftings that we both have. Like, it's just it's it's part of when you look at what we're doing business wise. Mm -hmm. I just don't think it'd be possible with one person. Like it takes right. It does. Yeah. God made you guys a power team <laughs> in all pillars of life. Really, you guys are a power team. So well, that's really cool. I don't know how it's not divine. You got two people that grew up Amish <laughs> in two different parts of the country, and somehow you find each other. Like it just blows my mind. So. And to kind of finish up here, what is some um, advice you would give other people coming out of religion? Oh, <laughs> that's a good question. That is a toughie. <laughs> I don't know if I've ever been asked that one. I mean, I think part of the, I think being in community, like being in a biblical community and then just being in a like gospel, like where the gospel is preached and like, grace is preached and, and then you see it lived out in community has been like life-changing for us. Like, I think that has, is what has given us like the foundation and um, yeah, just really like helped us to even be kind of set free from just the, I don't know. Because religion's like a bondage. Yeah, just the bondage yeah. that yeah. that you're in and that you that you come from and that you see and yeah. Because it's really hard when you're raised in that. Yeah. Like that's what you know. Very so it, you have to break that off. It's a it's a process. And we living in Salt Lake City at one time recognize that with people coming out of the Mormon religion, it's a process for them to where they have to come out of that because they were born and raised in that. So, yeah. 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 I mean, I think anytime you stay in isolation, mm -hmm. that's just an automatic, like, yeah, that's not good. Right. Um, so you, and it's hard to put yourself out there and put yourself into community, but I think that is one of the biggest like keys to, you know, living a, a, a successful and a yeah. fruitful life. Yes. I honestly, I think you've hit the nail on the head. I don't know that I have a lot more. I mean, it is quite the journey because you're literally pulling up every root that you've been so taught and ingrained, right? Growing up. And I'm, if you're mentioning Mormons, I would guess this, this kind of Amish and Mennonite story is very similar to maybe, maybe not Catholics as much, but Mormons have a really pretty closed 
right structure that your yeah. kids yes. would grow up in. Yeah. Um, man, you're just gonna have to give yourself time. Yeah. And I think because you're you're walking out of something and then you may have walked out, but you've still got all this stuff attached. So you're gonna want spirit-filled believers around yeah. you who can help to pull this stuff out of you. Yeah. Um, but I agree with Janine a hundred percent because I think that's where I was failing just before we met until the spirit of God started barking at me. Yeah. Which is you've got to get into community. Mm-hmm. Like And I think this could be a little bit of a German thing in our bloodlines, but we're really pretty independent and entrepreneurial. Yeah. And so for me, it was just a thing of, uh, screw it. I'm just, I'm just going to live out my faith by myself. And yet I agree with Janine a hundred percent. God intends us to be in community. Absolutely. Better together. Better together. We really are. It takes a long time. There's a lot of, um, I believe, like spiritual abuse and just misuse of scripture Mm -hmm. to get people to to do what the church wants them to do. A form of manipulation. Yeah, manipulation control. And so it takes a long time to like kind of, I'm not a huge fan of the word deconstruct, but in some ways deconstruct what you've been raised in and how you've been taught to think and believe and to r- replace that with the truth. Right. And I think the only way you actually replace it with the truth is being in, you know, community and right. and being under solid preaching and Yeah. Right. Yeah. That's good. It's, it's good. really good. That's really good. Well, unfortunately, we're out of time. <laughs> yeah, we appreciate you too. We love you too so much. You have become maybe a part 2 in the future. Yeah. <laughs> you have become really not just our bosses, but you have become great friends of ours too. And you're two of the people that we would put in our inner circle for sure. Yeah. So oh, um, we a hundred percent echo that yeah. man. It's been such a blessing to have you guys in our lives the last year. Oh, hundred percent. Hasn't even been a year yet. Hasn't been a year. It feels, <laughs> like, it yeah. feels like a year. Yeah. yeah. It's getting there. It's crazy. Yeah. It's went fast. It's getting but, there pretty quick. But yeah, we might have to have you guys on again. And um, we hope everyone out there just really loved and appreciated this episode. And we love all you listeners out there. You're our family too. And we hope that you can share this episode with people you feel like um, it can touch and um, help impact their lives as well. And um, don't forget, um, if you need any faith resources or merchandise, um, you can go to our website on the radicalroad.com and um, just go ahead and follow us, subscribe, share the podcast. The more people that listen to this ed- episode in this podcast, the more people that get their lives touched and um, can find the Lord. So we really appreciate you all out there. And if you have any questions, comments, um, critiques, of the show you can you can reach out to us at matt and jess at on the radical road.com that's right all right until next week we'll see you